Hello, and welcome to The B-Spot, a place to talk about life that's almost therapy, but not quite therapy. Again, not quite therapy. So if you are experiencing a serious mental health or substance abuse issue, please seek individual therapy from a licensed therapist. Now, my name is Brian Heller, and over the past 18 years as a licensed therapist, I've noticed that issues like depression and anxiety and addiction Uh, trouble with relationships, parenting challenges, teens, screens, and many other symptoms of being human come up for us all in a variety of ways. So come rejoice in being human. I won't pretend to have all the answers, but I do understand some things and I feel compelled to share them with you. The B-Spot is also a place for you to bring your issues to be discussed. A counseling perspective when you don't have time or money to see a counselor. So come join me at the B-Spot and let's talk about it. Hello and welcome back to the B-Spot, the place that's almost therapy but not quite therapy. I'm Brian Heller and I'm your host and today we are talking about human truth bomb number three which is that awareness creates energy and you can either use it for action or suffer. And this is a, a great topic because it really speaks to the magical beings that we are. And if you don't believe that we're magical beings, then I don't think you've thought hard enough about how our brains and bodies operate and how amazing it truly is. Think about your pinky finger on your left hand and wiggle it. And now think about how amazing it is that you can you can do that that you can send a signal to a part of your body that then sends a signal back to your brain and you can move. It is amazing. Did you know that your brain produces over a hundred different types of neurotransmitters and they all do different things? They all create different powers, superpowers that we need to survive in this world. And as I was looking at all the different neurotransmitters and their functions, uh, it's just amazing. Everything that we think and feel and do is driven by chemicals that our brains produce. And as you may remember from an earlier episode, our thoughts, which are driven by these neurotransmitters, are very powerful. And our thoughts are so powerful, there's even this thing called the placebo effect. Now, the placebo effect is basically the brain's ability to heal through imagination, through belief. You know, it's been demonstrated through research over and over again that if someone believes that something is going to have a certain effect, then they actually have the power to create that effect. There have been studies where they pretend to go in and do knee surgery on people and tell them that it's going to have a great outcome and people get the same results from the fake knee surgery as they get from the real knee surgery. You know, it's the reason why pain medications uh, have so much trouble getting on the market, right? Because pain medications can't beat the placebo effect. You know, if you give somebody a sugar pill and you tell them it's going to make them feel better, you know, a certain percentage of people are going to feel better. And that is magic as well. And so in order for a new medication to come on the market, it has to beat that rate. So if 30% of the people are feeling better through the placebo effect, then a medication has to beat that in order to be considered a good medication. Uh, There was a study where they used virtual reality uh, and compared that versus 
opiates for victims of serious burns. And with the virtual reality, they had people you know, immersed in this ice world where they're, they're in this cold world and everything feels good and cold. And they got just as much pain relief from the virtual reality as they did from opiates. So the power of the brain is something that could easily take over a whole podcast, you know, a whole series, because it's just a remarkable thing, but this is not the place for that. I'd love to go into all the different neurotransmitters and what they do, and I'm not going to do that here. Maybe in a later episode, we'll really dive into that. But for now, let's just leave it at this. We are magic. We are a collection of cells which, by the way, for the most part, are replacing themselves every seven to ten years. So every seven to ten years, we're basically new people at a cellular level. And we aren't even solid. Like, we, we get to experience the world as if we are solid, but we all learned in school that we're just a collection of atoms that are pressed together really closely. Now that we agree that we are magic, the question becomes, what do we do with the magic? So what do we do when our brains produce these neurotransmitters and energize us to do the things that we are capable of doing? How do we make those choices? And what happens if we make the wrong choice? And how do we know we're making the wrong choice? One of the most common ways that we recognize that we're making a, a wrong choice is through something called cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance happens when we have two competing ideas in our head, such as, I need to eat healthier, but I want to eat this cheeseburger, right? And so the more we think about that, the more awareness we have of the change that needs to take place, the more energy that is created to help us make that change. And if we don't make that change, we argue with ourselves, we get frustrated with ourselves. And that cognitive dissonance is often the thing that leads a person to change because the competing ideas are just too much. They recognize that it's the right thing to do. It's what they really want to do. And they finally make that decision. The cognitive dissonance goes away and they move forward peacefully. And they are working to make their actual self line up with their ideal self, which is one uh, measure of self-esteem is how close those two things are, those two parts of ourselves. How close are our ideal version of ourselves and our actual version of ourselves? The greater the distance, the worse we feel about ourselves. So when we recognize that there is a distance, we have a choice to make there too. Do I need to lower my ideal self to better match my actual self? Or do I need to raise up my actual self in order to get closer to my realistic version of an ideal self? It's a process of really getting honest with yourself. And the problem with honesty is that once you are aware, it's very hard to lose that awareness and be able to go back to not doing what's best for you and to have a peaceful mind in that process. When we talk about that awareness creating energy, it's, you know, use it for action or suffer. So how do we use it for action? And there are some things that you can do to increase your chances of success, right? One of the things that is most helpful when we want to take action is to write down the action that we want to take. 
right? The power of the list. We all have experienced it where when we write things down, it becomes more manageable, less stressful, and easier to navigate the process of accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish. So lists are a really good tool to use when you are trying to avoid letting that energy uh, come out as dysfunction, right? You want to use that energy for action. So one of the ways you can really get yourself in a good place to act is to write down those things that you want to do. Another wonderful helper on the road to getting things done is accountability. Telling even one other person what your plans are increases your chances of success because that feeling of accountability to self is easier to violate than that feeling of accountability to someone else. We don't want to disappoint others. And we could talk on the other side of that about how healthy that is, but in this situation it's helpful because telling someone what our plans are helps us get the things done. Uh, I often will help a client who is having trouble finding motivation to do something. I will help them by asking to commit to a specific day and time that they're going to do this thing. I'll ask them to identify any potential barriers that could get in the way of doing that thing. And they're usually quite agreeable up to this point. And then I ask them to let me know when they do it. Hey, send me a text message. Hey, send me an email. Let me know that you went for that run. And that is where people realize, oh, now I'm committed. And almost always, once that commitment is made, I'll get that text message that says, hey, I did that thing that I've been meaning to do. Thanks for holding me accountable. So accountability is really helpful and um, helps us get things done. Another tool is to visualize doing things that you're nervous about successfully. Um, actually sit down and close your eyes and really conjure up the image of that thing that you are nervous to do or that you are procrastinating on. Imagine yourself doing it and doing it well and imagine positive results from it. You know, athletes uh, have been using visualization for a long time before they compete, they visualize successful outcomes and it's helpful, the power of the mind. So visualizing the outcomes that you want, visualizing yourself going through the things that you have to do, those are also helpful tools. Finding time to do things can be really difficult and it can create barriers in our head that aren't actually real. I don't have time to go to the gym because I don't have an hour to commit to it. I don't have time to clean the garage because I don't have all day and it's going to take all day. What that does is it keeps us from doing anything. So one really helpful thing to do with tasks like that is to commit to smaller amounts of time. If it's the gym, maybe you commit to, I'm going to drive there. I have 30 minutes of time that I can commit. 10 minutes to drive there, 10 minutes that I'm going to stay, and then 10 minutes to drive home. Commit to that, follow through with that, and see how you feel after those 10 minutes at the gym. Maybe you realize you have a little more flexibility in your schedule than you thought and you can stay a little bit longer. You know, if you schedule, you know, five minutes to, to go clean the garage, most people go out for five minutes. They don't stay for five minutes. They want to stay longer. They get immersed in the task. They want to accomplish it. They're finally doing it and they start wanting to keep that going. 
So even just committing yourself to a small amount of time, even for something that you know is going to take a tremendous amount of time, commit to a small amount of time and then see what happens. So those are some strategies that you can use to help take that energy that's created through awareness and actually apply it to action. Now, what happens if you don't, right? Um, I say you suffer and that is true. You will suffer. The more you think about something that you need to do, the more you argue with yourself about doing it versus not doing it, the more you try to ignore it or pretend it's not what you actually need to do in your life, the greater your dysfunction will be. Every time you think about it, every time your awareness goes through your mind and you think about this thing you need to do, you can imagine it's like a pump, pumping energy, giving you all the energy that you need to do the thing, or that energy is going to become dysfunction. That energy is going to become anxiety, worrying about things. That energy is going to become depression um, in being aggressive towards yourself and mad at yourself because you're not doing the things that you know you need to do. That energy can become addictions, right? Because when we have those awful feelings from not using our energy correctly, we don't want to feel that way. And what's the quickest way to not feel that way? It's to escape through some sort of addiction. That energy can, can lead to behaviors that end up having a destructive effect on other parts of your life. That energy, if it's not used for action, can also lead to obsessive thinking and obsessive needs for control. Because when we recognize there's something that we want to do, but we're not doing it, or need to do, but we're not doing it, it makes us feel out of control because we aren't controlling ourselves very well. And so when we feel out of control, we look for ways to feel in control. And so we can become obsessive about things that are within our control because we feel so out of control in other areas. So the consequences to allowing that energy to pass away from action and move down to dysfunction, the consequences are significant. And so it really becomes worthwhile to recognize that once we're aware, we've got to act. The longer we wait, the more we suffer. So there are some little things, little cognitive shifts that can help once we are at that place. And one of the big ones is just this idea of things can be thought of as obligations or opportunities. And when we make that distinction, it greatly influences how we experience that thing. So if we are dreading doing something, we are clearly classifying it as an obligation, something we have to do, and we are avoiding it. Once we shift over to, okay, maybe it's not an obligation. Maybe it's an opportunity, right? So going to work, maybe it's not such an obligation. Maybe it's an opportunity for me to earn money. It's an opportunity for me to have connections with people. It's an opportunity for me to feel useful in the, in the world. Rather than like, oh my God, it's this thing I have to do. Saying to yourself, it's this thing I have to do is going to make it more difficult for you to use that energy for action and make it more likely that you're going to experience dysfunction. Also, the idea of gratitude versus, people don't like this one, but versus self-pity. 
right? When situations come up, we have a choice. Am I grateful for this situation? Or is it, oh, poor me that I've got to deal with this situation? Again, not the voice of any higher power telling you ultimate truth. It is up to you how you classify anything that you are going through. Any life event can either be seen as something to be grateful for or something to be sad about, to feel bad about. As often as possible, finding a way to, to find gratitude, even in difficult situations. Oh my God, my job sucks. Switching that over to, wow, I'm really glad that I have a job, even if it's one that I don't like. Uh, there are a lot of people right now who don't have any income, and I'm grateful that I have this job. Oh my God, my car, it's, I need to get fixed again? Oh, this is the worst. Well, I'm grateful that I have a car. I'm grateful that when it breaks, I can find a way to afford to get it fixed. There are lots of people that don't have cars and don't have this problem, and I'm grateful that I'm not one of those people because I need my car. I'm grateful that I have it. We find that there are very few situations that we can't make that cognitive shift if we choose to. Whether it's a shift between opportunity and obligation or the shift between self-pity and gratitude. The more time we spend on the positive side of those shifts, the better we're going to feel and the more likely we're going to be to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. Another cognitive shift that is really helpful with motivation and using energy to get things done is a shift towards mindfulness. And mindfulness is a word that gets thrown around a lot and defined differently by a lot of different people. When I say mindfulness, what I mean is learning to become present focused, living by the now mentality rather than what if and what was, right? When we spend our time thinking in the future, we often experience anxiety because we are delving into the unknown. When we spend our time thinking about the past, we are often filled with regret or sadness or anger um, over decisions that we no longer have any control over. But when we are focused on the present, what is right here, right now, that is most often a place of peace. I love to tell people, if you're present focused and you feel anxious, you better run because I'm assuming there must be a real present danger that is threatening you if you are in the present moment and you are feeling anxious. Most often, the present moment is not filled with anxiety. Most often, our anxiety comes when we imagine things after now. So when we think about that energy, using that energy for action, we want to think about what can I do right now? As soon as that awareness comes up and it's like, oh, okay, I want, I want to be healthier. Okay, can I go put on some shoes right now and go for a walk? Is it, is it a meal time? Can I go and make a healthy meal and do that thing right now? But what if I want to have cake later? No, it doesn't matter what's going to happen after right now. Right now, focus on making the right decision the best decision for yourself. And if you can continue to focus on right nows and string those right nows together, making good decisions, you end up with a pretty good outcome. 
and you end up with that outcome without experiencing all the anxiety and depression that comes when we are not present focused. There are all sorts of fun activities that you can do to um, hone your mindfulness skills. And we can talk some more about that in future in future episodes. Uh, for now, you can Google uh, mindfulness exercises and just know that spending small bits of time uh, can have a big impact. Uh, like three to five minutes a day ends up impacting our resilience to stress up to eight hours later. So this is real medicine that you can give yourself anytime without any negative side effects. As we wrap up our discussion of human truth bomb number three, the idea that awareness creates energy and that energy can either be used for action or it will create suffering. Um, I hope you'll take away from this conversation the knowledge that you are a magical creature. We all are magical creatures. There are magical processes happening within us all the time that are designed to help us thrive. So when that magical process of awareness happens for you and you feel the energy that has been generated by that awareness, take action, do the thing, set small achievable goals and do the thing. Remember that if you have issues or concerns that you would like uh, to have discussed on the show, uh, you can email me at bhellercounseling at gmail.com and I'll be glad to take a look at it and see if it's something that would fit well within the show format um, or advise you otherwise if it requires a different level of attention. I hope you will join me next week at the B Spot when I will discuss ego, that awful three-letter word that has the power to really take away from your joy and happiness in your life and cause you to make bad decisions. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about ways to combat it. And uh, until our next session, be well.